Welcome to Curious Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we're on episode 69. Yeah. I, I'm telling you, it just it it's gonna be weird when we get to a hundred. I, I can see that. Yeah, like hundred are our what would it be our centennial episode? <laughs> you know what I'm thinking though? I, I should have talked about this before we got on the podcast. You're gonna kill me for this. I'm thinking it our meetup, our next meetup should be sometime around that episode. Yeah, I think that'd be pretty good. We should do something like that. Maybe maybe we do the episode live at the meetup. Yeah, with all, five, with all five people, that'd be weird. <laughs> I don't know, let us know. Would that be weird? I don't know. Somebody had suggested something to that and we're like, well, uh, Mike's wife would be there and maybe my two kids, but I'm not sure if we'd get much more. But if we did at the meetup... I, right? wouldn't even, I wouldn't even know what to do if people were watching live. Like that was something like... So when we were at eBay Open... You're a teacher though. I know, but it's different. So like... When we were at eBay Open and we like spoke in front of a group of people, like I was a little more nervous to talk in front of these people, right? Because it's like they're right in front of me and I'm I'm looking at them. Uh, but then I realized like a significant amount of more people than that listen to our episodes constantly, you know. Yeah, but like yeah. I don't even think twice about it because I'm looking at a, a camera lens and I'm talking to a microphone, and so it would be it'd be weird to do it, you know, live. But I don't okay. know. Maybe we can get some like like audience questions or something that'd be fun no that would be awesome except i am always not a fan of random questions from the audience mm, i, I guess for my bad days as an administrator like that's when the pitchforks come out yeah i know that's that's definitely true that's a good uh tactic i remember you taught me back when i was a teacher and you were you were my uh, administrator when it came to like back to school night is never leave dead air for, no. for parents to ask questions no. fill the time and i think that's a good strategy that you can use just in your regular work life. Speaking of which, next week, uh, or not next week, but this coming up Sunday, we have our the finishing of our four-hour work week review. Uh, and there's a lot in that book that talks about kind of those kind of work tactics and strategies that you can use to, you know, use your time wisely. And and I think that's probably one of them is is not not allowing that space for people and questions to come in that'll end up making your job harder. There you go. So Check that out. That's a nice push for the book. All right. So if you haven't had yet, there's a link below for you to get the book or maybe get the Kindle version so you could join us for that last chapter. Again, you don't have to. You can just follow along. We're going to share what we found in the book, the good, the bad, the eh, you know, what's in there. But I do want to encourage you all in the comments below. Just want to hear your thoughts. You know, should we do anything different for the 100 or should we just get some balloons and, you know, no more confetti, no more confetti. Yeah, we still have confetti. All over this studio. So, but but right now we're on episode sixty nine. So, what are we talking about today? Okay, all right. So, this episode sounds really intense. This episode is brought is to you by Adapt or Die. Oh, but with a question mark. So it's like Adapt or Die. Adapt or Die. Yeah, like- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if your voice <laughs> raises, uh, but. It, it's one of those things like, do you have to adapt or do you not have to adapt? Because he, and the, okay, let me, can I give some background as to why I thought about this? I, I think that's a fair okay. thing to do. I will allow you to give some background thank, thank you for about this episode. Giving me the floor here on, on our podcast. <laughs> so it seems about this time of the year, okay, about August, we kind of talked about this, I want to say on the podcast a year ago, but it seems. Now more than ever, there's been, you know, a few YouTube videos like I'm quitting reselling or I'm quitting this platform or, you know, 
there's there's a lot of people on Instagram, which is kind of sad. I don't know if you've noticed this. Somebody DM me the other day and said, hey, do you know any resellers in this area or this area? And I went to go look, you know, because I was going to recommend them. And those people are gone. Mm. And and again, it, it doesn't mean they quit reselling, but they definitely quit being on social media. Yeah, their presence is left. Their presence, which is sad because some of those individuals... We, we know, I mean, we know through social, but we've had good conversations and I go, I wonder what happened, right? There's one I think about that thousands of followers and just gone. Yeah, that is sad. And, and I think about, okay, so, so what happened, right? And there's this constant, you know, kind of ideas that are happening where people are discussing, you know, is reselling something that's viable? Is it something that you can keep doing? Right, can- I, mean, I think that's a fair question, right? Like, if, especially if if you're seeing that, if if I'm if I'm new to reselling or if I'm making the the plunge into full time, and I'm seeing a lot of the people that I look up to that are full time resellers, and a lot of them are no longer reselling, that would be that'd be a little bit disconcerting. I'd be a little concerned about that. It's inter- it's interesting you say that because I remember there was a YouTuber I want to say like six seven months ago and posted something on Instagram and goes. I wonder what happened to these people. Like, did they just stop? And and actually, Craigslist Hunter just—it's funny that uh, you know we're talking about this because Craigslist Hunter a couple of days ago, before you know we already had planned this episode, but he had a video where he had talked about that people had approached them with their inventory, like seven hundred items over a thousand, and and were just they wanted to sell it. And I go, I wonder what gets you to that place. Right. Where, you know, I have about 1800 items. I probably should have over 2000 if I listed everything for me to approach a bigger seller and go, you know, I think I'm, I'm done with reselling. Like, I, I can't do this anymore. I want to go back. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. I want to say that we're not casting judgment here. We're not saying, you know, you're a quitter. We're not saying any of that, because, again, we're big on do what makes you happy. Right. What what you find fulfilling. Right. And it, it's not going to completely be fulfilling. Thank you, Mike, for adjusting the mic. It's an ongoing theme on this podcast. <sighs> Working on it. But we want to say, hey, if the nine to five is what you enjoy and just doing a side hustle is good for you, then do it. Because, hey, if that fulfills you, makes you happy, do it. If going full time is what you want to do, which I'm doing right now and I'm loving it. I will tell you right now, it's August has been an interesting month. I'm a little bit in the red. That's a little concerning to me, mm. but I'll bounce back. I'm not too worried about that. Q4 is right around the corner. And I want to let you all know that when we talk about this, it's one of those, hey, if you want to continue reselling, this is kind of what we've observed from other resellers that have been in the game for a long time. That makes sense? Yeah, no, for sure it does. In fact, I mean, it reminds me of um, our last episode, our hustle session with uh, Wade's Venture. And he kind of made a similar comment, right? Where there's definitely ups and down times in reselling where there's been times where he kind of felt like, is this even the the life for me? Can I keep doing this? You know, and you can easily become overwhelmed and, and it can become something that you don't want to do. And he also said something that was interesting, which is a lot of people think I'm leaving a 40 hour work week job to go work less. And he says, realistically, being a, a full time reseller you're going on to an 80 hour work week, right? Like you're potentially working more, which it provides some freedoms in some way, but but you do have to realize like if if you're doing it part-time and you're enjoying it, 
be careful with thinking about going full-time is going to be just as easy as doing part-time. You're going to have to ramp up what you're doing, right? Which means more hours of sourcing, more hours of listing. And I think if you go into it without being prepared for that, I think you're going to be more likely to want to jump ship or Mm -hmm. to become uh, discouraged because you, you 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 didn't have realistic expectations. And we're all about being real, right? And I think I even think about that, like a big one for me was marriage, right? Like I see a lot of my friends or people that I know that have, they have rough relationships in their marriage and not in every case, but a lot of the times it's because they went into it with unrealistic expectations. They kind of went Mm -hmm. into this thinking like this person is going to always make me happy or they kind of put the relationship or this person up on a pedestal. And because of that, when you don't, those expectations aren't met, it's almost a bigger letdown. But if you kind of go into it realizing like, this is going to be work, it's going to be hard, there's not always going to be perfect, then when those things happen, you're more prepared. You're more like, okay, like I went into it knowing that this was coming. And so with reselling, I think it's the same way. And I think what we're going to be talking about today is when to adapt, why to adapt, and can adapting be that thing that keeps you from fizzling out? Agreed. Agreed. Because Again, it's one of the things I'm learning, right? I'm in year two of selling, reselling full time. And I did have as high hopes and dreams. I, I want to, I guess, a, a retraction from several podcasts ago. I had, I would say probably, I don't know, episode 30 something, 40, I don't remember. But I had said at one point, like, I, I can never be one of those guys that says I'll work 80 hours a week just so I don't have to work 40 hours for someone else. And I can't say I've had 80 hour weeks. I really can't. I could say I've had maybe 50 hour weeks. Maybe it's so hard to tell because in reselling, it's not like you clock in, you clock out. Yeah. Right. It's one of the things we talked about with hustle and help mom that you still got to take offers. You still have messages, but I will tell you, I'm working at times a lot more than expected. And then other times I'm kind of shocked that I feel like I should be doing something, but sales keep coming in. Right. And you experienced some of that with the fifth wheel. As part time, you're still getting sales, even mm-hmm. though you're not actively on the platforms. Yep. So, all right. So why adapt? Right. Let's talk about the why before we get into, you know, the why you shouldn't adapt and then how to adapt. So track with us here. Okay. So the structure we're going to do, why adapt first, why you shouldn't adapt after that, and then um, specifically how and the what to adapt. Agreed. Cool. With hustle of the week in between all of those. Yeah. So... So if anything, you've tuned in for the hustle of the week. Yeah. All right. So right now, I will tell you one of the big deals that is being discussed on social media and and on YouTube and so on is the market changes. And you've experienced some of that already in the year, would you say? Yeah. I mean, and it's hard to pinpoint. Like, I mean, if I were to really sit down and like pencil out, I'd be able to probably give several examples. But there's definitely times where like, okay, a certain type of shoe uh, Sperry Topsiders, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like, all right, Sperry Topsiders, I almost can't keep them on the shelf, right? As soon as I'm buying them from a thrift store or garage sale, they're selling. And then I go six months without a sale and I'm still buying them because it's like, these are these are good buys. And then maybe one sells in like a six month period. And it's like, man, what happened? And, and there is changes, right? There's changes in the market. And so what's trendy now, and man, trends change fast, right? Mm -hmm. Like they change really fast. So I've definitely experienced that with like individual types of items. And then even, even seasonally, right? Like you kind of have to be recognized that the trends change throughout the season. The obvious ones are like coats in the winter, right? Mm -hmm. But, but there's some other ones that are maybe not so obvious. 
And and it makes me think, you know, we, we share bolos all the time. We always say, if you're listening to episode whatever five, make sure you do your research because the bolo we share there may not be a bolo anymore. Luckily, yeah. everybody has told us they're still relevant. That's good. It's That's only good. been a year though. Yeah. So <laughs> if you if you ever find a decoy duck, might still be the thing to go for. There you go. A duck decoy. Yeah. You said decoy duck. Uh, we should rewind it. I probably did say decoy, but is there is there really a difference between a duck decoy and a decoy duck? I, I think so. I don't know. Anyways, all right. So I'll give you some examples. All right. So these are very obvious. We all know, you know, it, it's, it is interesting because right now, Tommy Bahama, right? This was a brand that when I first started reselling, I would say five or six years ago, like actually being serious about it, like this was an easy one. Like you could pay $5. It didn't even have to have a nice design. It didn't have, even have to be a themed one. It just had to be one that had like leaves on it. You were guaranteed to make it nice profit. Now I pass mm. every single time. Have you picked up a Tommy anytime, anytime in the recent future? I mean, past. in the recent future? <laughs> no, no. Let, let's not Let try to see. <laughs> let's talk no, I will the, not. In the recent past. Um, no, no. I mean, it's, it's, it's been a long time and I've, only picked up ones that are like sports or something like that. Yeah. That's like really unique. Uh, but yeah, I, I have it. And the, the sad thing is not only is the profit margins not there because they don't sell as, as often as frequently, but also thrift store prices tend to be really high on those, right? Like they still are yeah. like they haven't caught on to adapting. I can still go to a store and they're charging like 20 bucks. Yeah. There seems to be like this chain reaction, like culture shifts faster than the resellers often are able to to recognize the faster you're able to catch up with culture shift the better off you are and then thrift stores are like a long way off behind resellers a lot of times right like it might take a few months of resellers you know really picking through items then they adapt and then they never go back right like they still are charging way too high for items. It's like, yeah, that trend is dead. But the nice thing about that is they miss the good ones. Yeah. The new bolos. Yeah, because we're ahead of them, right? So that's I think that's that's a that's kind of goes along with adapting with this whole idea of bolos and kind of just like the sourcing trending things changing is trying to stay with culture shifts, right? Recognize what's popular. I think one thing I often overlook is like movies coming out, like an example, um, I had a plush, uh, like a Disney plush, right, of mm -hmm. uh, Lion King. And I picked it up because the story you told about your mm -hmm. Lion King plush several episodes ago. And it sat there with like no watchers, no activity. All of a sudden, the new Lion King movie comes out. Bing, bang, boom. You're making sales, right? So even that, like when you see something coming out, like a new Disney movie, a new something, that's the time where it's like, okay, I might not normally pick up Winnie the Pooh, whatever, but hey, they've got this new Winnie the Pooh movie or ride at Disneyland coming oh, and that's out. That's what like, I mean. Jump that's, on it. that's why you would adapt. Like if you see something and and again, all this is calculated risk, right? You're buying, but it's pretty good calculated risk, right? And you have to adapt the bolos. Like if you want to keep reselling, it's one of those things that, you know, I, I really appreciate what Craigslist Center said. You can learn a niche, right? Until you learn about six, right? It's spend one month on each one. And it's the same thing with culture. Like you try to figure out like right now, 90s gear is super hot. It yeah, still oh, is. 90s are back, man. It's 90210. I love like... it. I'm reliving my high school days. It's great. But you know what? I'm scared when it's done. Because then what is it going to be? 
Yeah, what was you know? the, what was like the two thousands? Like I can I can nineties uh, was pretty I was obvious. Eighties no is obvious. Memory. I don't know what the the tw- like the two thousands were like. I'm sure when it comes back, I'll I be wasn't like, cool oh, yeah. by the two thousands. Coolness had died. Like married kids, like it it all mm, went away. That's true. So I really so I really don't know. But well, but I mean, I was in high school in the the two thousands. So you would work. think I would know like what was, but I don't know. I think that was when it first started coming out of like going back, like. Like renewing older, so like there's a lot of like '60s stuff that were popular. Maybe and some I don't remember stuff. So I have no idea. But again, we're saying this like why adapt? It's when things begin to shift. Like you have to notice a shift, or you're gonna be left behind. I think about so okay, that's okay. good, but but how? Like well, we're we're getting there. We're getting to the whys. Okay, we're getting to the whys, right? The other one is is sourcing changes. Do you source the same as you did when you first? Th- I mean, I know we're only talking about a year, but I see changes in Mike already. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, a big one, and we've talked about it a ton. I don't want to mm-hmm. like, you know, go over it too much, be a broken record, but thrift stores have obviously changed for me, right? Like mm-hmm. the way I shop thrift stores. Do I still shop thrift stores and make money? Absolutely. Is it my bread and butter? No, right? So mm-hmm. that has definitely changed. Um, Which is really strange yeah. because... I used to, and you did too. I used to put it on the calendar. I would not, I would say it's been over a year now since I've done this, but I would plan out like an entire day that I would go to 10 or 12 thrift stores. Yep. Now I will go to maybe one or two a week. Right. But I've, I had to adapt. Like I had no options because the prices were, were high. And on top of that, the selection. Yep. Just not there anymore. Nope. So, so you've changed, you've, and we've talked about this in multiple episodes, right? We've talked about different ways of sourcing, but again, it's another reason to adapt. So the reason we're sharing this is because it's very easy to say reselling is dead. Like this is done. We can't do this anymore, but it's not that I still think the same principles apply. It's still, you know, buy low, sell high. It's still source better. It's still, you know, customer service. You just got to adapt. Yeah. I mean, big part of that, um, for me, I've had less time to be able to drive around. So I've upped my eBay arbitrage, right? Um, also, a little bit of retail arbitrage for things like Poshmark and stuff like that. Okay. And we also got to realize, um, and, and I don't know if you have it specifically on here on the why, but I think it goes along with this also is technology changes, mm-hmm. right? So like, just to think of a few, like we've talked about what's like list perfect and Vindu and, and, um, seller hound and all of those things, Mm -hmm. right? These, this is a new technology that's kind of coming into the the field and that might change the way you source and, and how you do things too. Cause you might not have been a Mercari or a Poshmark person, but now that it's a little easier now, not only are, is your methods going to have to change and you adapt, but you might be more willing to pick up, pick up, uh, you know, clothing. Cause it's like, well, I didn't normally go to Poshmark, but Hey, now it's easier and I can double list and it's so keeping up with technology changes is another reason to adapt. Cause if you're not, and your competition is utilizing those things, that could be a huge hit. I'll be transparent with you guys. I mean, that's why I'm actually building my Poshmark now and with list perfectly and with Vendu and with all these other platforms that have emerged, I've been cross posting and I haven't seen a change yet, but again, it's because how many shares did I share that I had with Wade? Oh, uh, zero, <laughs> zero, zero shares. So obviously you have to share, right? I've had one sale and we talked about that a couple podcasts ago. Now, the other reason 
why you have to adapt is because competition will change. I don't know. I haven't shared this. We were going to share this on the update episode, but it's going to be probably too late. But did you see that that thread up and uh, JCPenney and Macy's are joining forces? Hmm. Yeah, I only actually heard about thread up just recently. Yeah. So thread up is another, you know, uh, it's it's they have vintage clothing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, JCPenney and we talked about H&M, I think mm-hmm. it was like a long time ago. I forget H&M, another store. Yeah, we could turn in your used clothes. I was actually there when I saw a box and I, I just assumed it was going for like they would recycle it at like a Goodwill or something. No, they're selling it. Yeah. And so JCPenney now, they're actually going to add retail space in their stores. To <laughs> Mike, Mike now went with the head nod to get to the mic. So JCPenney now is making retail space to sell used clothing. Like using square footage in their department store. That, that's that's and, pretty impressive. And so and, is Macy's. And it's, that point, it might be a little more difficult to compete. But I just think about this. So I went to... Several stores, Macy's, H&M, Target, a bunch of places over the last couple of days looking for a couple of pairs of pants. Okay. All right. And every store I went to, it's like I couldn't find the right color. And then if I found the right color, it was the wrong size. Or if I found the right color and the right size, it was the wrong cut. Right. And it was like, man, I've, I've been driving around everywhere trying to find. And then I finally was like, okay, well, now I think I know the cut and size I like and I have to order this color. So now I'm going to have to go online to buy it. Right. So if that's what you're already having to do and you're going to buy used clothing, I mean, it's hard enough to find clothes sometimes when they've got a shelf full of like 30 of the same type of pants, just different cuts and colors. Now, if it's used, it's going to be more difficult. What makes eBay and Poshmark so successful, I think, is you're reaching a much wider audience and Mm -hmm. I don't have to leave my house and I can look at millions of pairs of pants. Right. So I think, is it going to be, competitive and increased competition yes but i also think i don't know i don't know if it's going to make as big of an impact as you might think no and i don't think it's going to make that big of an impact the re- i think it's just the same as if a bunch of new sellers showed up on platforms it's all the same but it's another reason to adapt because now right there it's very clear that i'm sure they didn't make this decision like randomly at night Oh no, they, right. there's tons of market research. Correct. Right. So what does that mean? Okay. Maybe it's time to adapt what kind of clothing you're sourcing. Yeah. I mean, there's a huge push right now just in society to be more environmentally conscious and and to recycle clothing. And I, I was talking to somebody recently, and that was kind of what she was saying. She was using thread up and using thread up, <clears throat> she would send in her clothes and say she'd only get like pennies basically for what they'd sell for it wasn't like a a source of income but then she would use almost like a token economy the money that she got from there to buy more stuff and so it was basically a clothes recycling program right Mm -hmm. like she would recycle her clothes you feel good about that because you're not like they don't just go to the trash and you you're getting somebody else's clothes that they're recycling and so it's like a double like feel good aspect so i think because a lot of people are doing that the adaption for the us is actually should be an easy one in that right now use this in, right? So you almost have to, maybe you're the kind of reseller who you're going to outlet malls and you're buying lots of new stuff because, hey, tons of, maybe the profit margin small, but you can buy in bulk and those things. Maybe the way you need to adapt is say, hey, the trend right now is used as in, I need to up my used clothing or my used hard goods because people are 
people are wanting to recycle and not necessarily buy new, big and flashy. Agreed. And then there's the other side. No, no. There's a, when a recession hits, they might not care about those items anymore. Ooh, we're going to talk about recession, huh? Well, I thought I'd bring it up because it's one of the reasons why you'll need to adapt. And we talked about this with Craigslist Hunter. He had been very clear that, you know, second, the secondhand market is good, but it's good when it's items that people need. Mm. Right. So if a recession hits, will people be looking for starter jackets and Doc Martin shoes? I don't know, you know, or, or will they be looking for video games or will they be, you know, they'll be looking for different stuff. And so that's going to be a time I think to adapt. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring that up, especially right now. Um, I mean, we're recording this a little bit early, so I'm not hundred percent sure when this comes out, what the stock market's going to look like, but there's a lot of down right now. There's a downward, mm-hmm. you know, trend. And I, I'm like a doomsdayer. I'm not a doomsdayer, but like, I'm, I know that a recession's coming. I'm not, I'm not a, a a bull in the sense like of the stock market where I just think things are going to always keep going up. Like I know for a fact things will come down for a while and then they go back up. Like that's just the, the way economies work. However, I'm not I'm not convinced yet, and I'm a nobody. I'm not an economist, so don't take my well, word for the, the it. The Fed chair is not convinced. Yeah, yeah, I'm not convinced that we're we're moving towards a recession yet. I mean, we can get into all reasons why the Fed chair, right? But right. I I definitely think I think we're we're seeing we're seeing a lot of fear in the market, which again, if you're a calm, collected person, this could be a good thing for you. Like I, I just, I know for me, like my contributions to stock is never going to reduce as it goes down. In fact, I might start increasing because my buying power keeps going up, right? Because eventually those stocks are going to turn around and, and, and you can come out ahead. So, you know, that being said though, a recession will come at some point. And when it does, yeah, I don't know like how that's going to affect reselling specifically with the things that, you know, are, are I think it's adaption. I think you have no reason, have no other recourse, but to adapt. It's in. And the other reason I bring this up, I don't know if you, if you guys follow Cindy, uh, amazing taste store on Instagram. So she's been reselling for a long time. She knows her stuff. I mean, she really knows her stuff. And, one of the things that she had relayed, she actually had this post about the recession. Sorry, you need to move something here. She had stated that during the recession of 08, her income tripled. And I go, wow, that, that provides hope. But what she said is that, again, adaption, figuring it out. Like it, part of reselling, right, to make it is you have to be able to adapt on many levels. And that's part of what we're going to talk about later on, but your sourcing, your pricing, your shipping, like all those things. And even now, you know, summer we had to adapt, right? We had no choice. We, yeah. we sent off for like crazy. We sourced differently. Mm-hmm. We took some Listed lower, more aggressively. Yeah. We were more aggressively. We took lower offers to trigger the algorithm. Yeah. Like adaption was super important. Yeah. And I think of, I think of that idea too of a recession coming in like, of course, it's hard to say like give exact specific examples because we don't want to give away any, you know, specific niche and ruin markets. But I'll say this and and people can think, you know, this is a bad thing. But I think of when like tragedy hits a community, right? Let's say it's an earthquake or power outage or something that's like really bad. And let's say water is difficult to come by. Um, some 
entrepreneurs will come in and say, I will spin the drive. I'll load up my vehicle with lots of waters. I'll drive in. I'll sell it at a high premium and I'll keep doing that. I'll make that trip over and over and I'll provide what's needed in this community at this time. And I'm going to make a profit doing it. Now, of course, some people say like, well, that's messed up. Like you shouldn't be charging more. The truth though is because there's competition, because there's the ability to make money, people are bringing in what's needed in that community. Mm -hmm. If people weren't doing that, nobody would be willing to make the drive, right? And and companies that are doing it, nonprofits that are doing it are typically slower when there's not capital to be made, right? So places where nobody comes in to do that um, and they're waiting just for charity, charity tends to come slower. So all that to be said, find that thing. And I'm not saying like, it has to be like, devastating, but a recession is devastating in some mm-hmm. ways. So a lot of people, so yeah, if, if you're selling, if you're selling rare collectible stuff, maybe some people are still into that. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, like you got to kind of think of what, what are the necessities? What are things people now are going to be wanting to save money on, right? They're still going to be wanting to, to get entertainment of some kind. They're still going to want certain things. So where are they going to go use that they might've gone you know, mm-hmm. new before. And that's the markets you need to break into and say, where where are the areas where people are cutting? I used to say when I worked at, I worked at DirecTV years and years ago, and I used to say like, oh, a recession isn't going to hurt us at all because people will give up going out to, in, to dinners. People will give up going out to the movies before they're going to cut their cable, right? <laughs> well, who would have thought like yeah. just five years later, it's like everybody's streaming everything. So, mm-hmm. but but there are those things that people will cut everything else first but they're not going to cut certain things. So find those things and break into those markets. And again, it's, it's, you always hear that. This is my quote of the week. There, I don't know if it's a real quote, but during a recession, the first to starve are the artists. Right. And it's the same thing with reselling. If what you offer are those luxuries, right. That are necessities and you don't adapt, you're going to be in trouble. And, and even now, if let's say it's just a, you know, a temporary financial contraction, like that still might hurt your business. So mm-hmm. you get, you have to be willing to adapt to make those modifications. And ultimately, w- before we move on, what I'll say is it's the only way to make it in reselling. And again, some of you might disagree. Some of you have been in certain niches, which that's great because there are certain niches that, and I don't know them. I wish I knew them, yeah. but there are certain niches that in the eighties and the nineties, and even till now, they still hold that control. They still hold that power. Yeah, but even the niche, like that's the thing though, is even the niche changes. So I could just Or imagine, how they sell. Well, I, I would just imagine this. Like let's say let's say you were lucky enough to get a contact with somebody who sold cosmetics or sold, I don't know, some kind of equipment, exercise equipment, something, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're in this niche and you never leave that niche. Well, even in that niche, there's going to be new breakthroughs and now new, mm-hmm. you know, new products are coming in. So you still have to stay up to date. If you're still using the stuff that was popular 10 years ago, chances are that's gone, right? Like I just think of like exercise equipment. Think about how fast new fads come in with diets and, and equipment and exercise. And that's an ongoing changing field. And so you almost have to be like, I think of it like being a teacher. I almost think sometimes it's over the top, but the professional development, right? It's like every year throughout the whole year, it's like you're still in school. Like they constantly expect you to be reading more books on teaching and learn new strategies about teaching. And what are other people doing in their classroom and read another book and go to this conference. And it can almost be like, I already know how to do this. But the reality is 
things change fast mm-hmm. and you do have to stay up to date. And so in reselling, yeah, you might be stuck in a, a good niche, but you need to be doing that that development in that niche. You need to be reading articles about those products and figuring out what's changing, what's new. Is there is there a new maker of shoes that's kind of coming in and and maybe replacing some of the older stuff or a new style or color? So even inside of a niche that's solid, there's going to be changes. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And this is the last I'll say about a recession. It'll be interesting because right now, all the content, all the knowledge that we have about what's going on, like as far as, you know, what to sell and how to sell it, you know, a lot of it is through course, courses that people have purchased or social media. But think about it. It only goes so far, right? Like, let's say the YouTube videos that you've watched or I've watched or things that we picked up along the way, I would say they only go back to like 2011. Yeah. Right. I mean, they don't go too far back. So we're all going to, if, if a recession were to hit, you know, we will have to, I truly believe we'll have to adapt. I don't think I'll be selling the same things. I, even now I'm not selling the same things I was a year ago. Now, what do you, and I know we're not in the, in, in the, like how to adapt yet. Yeah. But so as a reseller, do we, should we be looking and kind of prepping for that and buying inventory that's kind of almost like that safer inventory that might not move fast now, but might be the pipeline already kind of built for a drop? Or do you keep going for stuff that's working? Do, so basically, should we be a bull or a bear in the reselling market? So number one, I'm not a guru, so I don't have an answer. <laughs> number two, when I talk about adapting is being able to be flexible with the market. So I'll give you an example. Like we talked about Harley shirts all the time. So Harley shirts, five years ago, I could find t-shirts that weren't even 3D emblem, that were just basic, you know, t-shirts from the early 2000s, 90s. I could sell them for $50 each. No problem. Like all the time. Now I've adapted and understood that most buyers aren't going to pay more than $30 per shirt, right? Unless there's something unique and special. So I could have stuck to my old ways and I've could have listed them all high. And I still do. I still list them at, but I'll take lower offers. I could have listed them at, you know, $64.99 with best offer, put a sale on, it drops to 15% and go, you know what? I'm not going to sell this. Right. And I'd be stuck with all this inventory that's just going to go stale. Or I can recognize and adapt and go, you know, reality is I have not received a single offer for over $40. I'm going to still, I'll still list it high because there's still that one buyer that wants that one shirt. But if somebody offers me less than a certain amount, I'm going to take it. Right. Because I got to keep, you know, sales going. I, you know, when you're full time, you got to pay the bills and it's the same situation. You know, recognizing if we go into a recession, we go into anything, be willing to have enough profit margin that if the market dips, you can still make a profit on those items. Don't buy stuff. And this is something we'll talk about. Don't buy stuff at a high enough cost that if things dip, you're going to lose and you have no negotiation power. Yeah. Wiggle room is important. 100% every single time. Wiggle, 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 wiggle. (laughs) where, Where do we get into that? All right. Here's why you shouldn't adapt. You haven't vetted something enough. Sounds like common sense. Yeah. I mean, that kind of brings us back to um, Rich Man in Babylon, right? Okay. Yeah. And, and, and kind of this idea of just because you hear somebody say something 
You know, you kind of, you see on Instagram, because we talked about staying up with culture, right? You see it all the time on Instagram. Yeah, but like, you got to be careful because somebody could say like, here's the new trend. And it's so easy to like, say, you know what? I'm I'm pulling out my my checkbook. My credit card. I'm going into my savings account. I'm putting a mortgage on my house and I'm buying literally a boatload of fingerlings because this is going to be the okay. thing. It's so funny that you bring this up. Have you seen what's going on with fingerlings lately? No. Okay. So Walmart right now, and again, I'm sorry if you're listening to this and you completely disagree with me. It's all good. I could be 100% wrong. He's wrong a lot. I am wrong a lot, so I'm willing to be wrong. But they're now clearing some out. I think like, I don't know, 15 cents or less than a dollar for each fingerling. Oh man, I want to go get some. Okay, exactly. So not to resell, that, but it'd be cool to have some fingerlings. Oh, all right. Well, I don't know about that. I, that's another side of Mike I don't know. Okay, so it'd be like a good gift. Like you know how you always have like random birthdays you have to go to for little kids. Like it'd be great just to have a tote of fingerlings. Like all right, hopefully there I are people that have that. I know somebody who has a basement full of toys for birthdays. I, I, I'd have to say like probably the last ten birthdays that I've gone to. Um, have been something I bought at a garage sale or a nice. thrift store. A lot of a lot of the hey, stuff is new. You're still so. making money. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, hey, I bought this really cool like wood frozen puzzle for two dollars at a garage sale and it was sealed. And now I don't have to spend twenty dollars for a birthday gift for this child. Like nice. it's awesome. So it's basically an eighteen dollar. So that's profit. where my my son's birthday gift came from. Yeah. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> Anyways, all right. So on on Instagram, right? People are just unloading on this like get out there fingerlings like and i'm looking at this and people are sending me these dms like lol like da 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 and hey if it works out for you more power to you for me i've gone through the fingerling nightmare you've heard hustle at home mom in our and in two interviews ago talk about fingerlings you've heard plenty of people talk about i truly believe more resellers have fingerlings than actual buyers it's genius like that's what i like if i were to come up with i don't want to say a scam but like a get rich quick (laughs) scheme yeah fingerlings no it would be this is this is messed up but it would be to get a a product hype it up so much that resellers go crazy and buy them all but there's no demand in the market for it this was reseller driven a hundred ten percent believe fingerlings were reseller i think there was a point where it did peak. They were selling for like, you know, you could buy them for 15 and you could flip them for 40 to 50. There was a peak, but once they restocked two years ago, that was Game done. Over. It was done. Yeah. And, and so that's, I think that's a good point. So just vetting, vetting the item. Now, sometimes you do have to act fast, right? Like going back to the richest man in Babylon, there's like two, two kind of almost conflicting ideas, but I, I think they go together. And one of them was you have to be willing to, to say no to things if the person who's offering you a deal or, or advice knows nothing about the subject, right? So if the person is trying to sell you information about like jewelry and gold, but they're a computer person, well, maybe you should be getting advice from them about like tech stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. make sure you know the source that it's coming from. The other advice that, that was given in that book though was you have to kind of strike when the iron's hot, right? So when there mm-hmm. is opportunity, Right. You're not looking for luck, but you're willing to act quickly when the opportunity arises. So part of that is like we, we mentioned earlier is knowing a niche well, knowing something well enough to, to see an opportunity, take a risk that's minimal in the sense that, you know, 
for a you know pretty significant chance that you're going to come out ahead on this at least break even then it's worth doing but if it's like you've got no idea you've never heard of this brand before and you're just going to go all in okay maybe that's not adapting wisely mm-hmm. and, and so this is the last i'll say about finger links for this episode but what should happen is you should go to keepa keepa.com you should Use other apps. You should track the sales. You should check the sold. You should just Google fingerlings, uh, fingerlings on YouTube. And there will be pretty a con- pretty much a lot of content, if you're brand new, that will tell you that the fingerlings fallout of 20, what would that be, 2017? Oh, man. That sounds like, that sounds like an epic news report. The fingerlings fallout. <laughs> That's what it was. 2018. I, think, I think it was 2017, but I keep wrong. Whatever the year is. It's enough to go. There's a reason why Orlando and other resellers aren't rushing out there to pick them up. You know what that reminds me of? And maybe I'm killing a market right now. We could edit this out if I am. But uh, we never edit, so it's staying. <laughs> um, you know, it's going away potentially forever. Bananas, man. Did you hear about that? Bana- what, like bananas you eat? Yeah. Like, since we're, since we're talking about like an epic fallout, like a news report, like, yeah, there's like some crazy fungus that's like hitting bananas in all these different countries where they're grown and different variations of ban- bananas are catching it and they can't stop it. Like it's getting into the soil. That's a bolo right there too. That's what I'm saying. Like maybe <laughs> like maybe you need to buy bananas, like freeze dry them or whatever you have to do, dehydrate them or or something and sell them because or store them because if bananas go away forever. They're not going to listen. There's a way to grow them. OK, safe. true. But but this fungus is spreading. But imagine if. 75 to 80% of the world's banana production is just gone almost overnight. Imagine the prices of bananas. So you have to adapt and eat another fruit. Well, okay. But I'm just saying like, yeah, I don't okay. know. It's an interesting story. But yeah, you know, maybe ban- bananas are a bolo right now. Okay. All right. From fingerlings to bananas. Hey, to- I mean, it's, that's adaption, right? Like it's, it it's true. Like okay. things, things change. Like something that was a consistent, like, who would have ever thought like, and who knows, maybe, maybe they stopped this, but like, I would have never thought like, I can never eat another banana. I've always just expect like you walk into the store, there's going to be I want to go buy some bananas right now. Right? Like, can you imagine though, a world where you grow up, but that's what I, mean. I got to tell my son, like, there were these things called bananas and you loved them when but, you were a baby. But Mike right now, let's, I'm just throwing it out there. Mike could have been on a Reddit forum and just saw this right now and shared this on this podcast. And someone goes out and buys creating a stir and (laughs) tons of you out there right now are going to go buy bananas. Right. And I, I, that very much happens on social media where somebody's like, Hey, look at this, look how cheap it is. And, and, you know, especially if you're brand new, right. You really want to make that profit you want to make it quick and you're without vetting something, you'll go out there and you're thinking, Hey, I need to adapt to this. I need to make sure to make this happen and you'll lose. So just be careful. Now, the other one is you shouldn't adapt. If you see somebody else being successful with something, it's kind of the same, but you don't have all the facts about that person. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, I kind of feel like, like that's exactly the same. Is it the same? No, no. But, I'm but I, about, I think there's I'm a- talking about like numbers. Like we talk about numbers all the time and I'm very big on you don't know what's in those numbers you just you you don't even ebay no amazon numbers you know i think we all understood like there's a lot of overhead with amazon so it's very hard to tell but even with ebay you know 
it's super hard. I can show you a 60 day total of $20,000, but if my, you know, my cost and, and all my fees were at 80%, right? What's that? $16,000. It's only $4,000 profit, yep. right? But if I show you a $10,000 60 day total and my net was 8,000, I'm better off with yeah. that $10,000 day Double total than with half the gross. Yeah. Yeah. So numbers, numbers don't say, tell everything. And, and I think, I think part of it too is, I think going along with that, seeing other people successful, if you're doing it only for a job and you're, you don't really care about like getting enjoyment from it. And that's, that's a fair place to be, right? Like you might need to be supporting your family. And so you're willing to get into a niche you don't enjoy because, Hey, there's money here. But if you see somebody doing really well, like I've talked to several people who do really well, they're sneakerheads, They love doing, you know, Nike shoes and the drops of new ones. And it's easy to say like, Oh man, like people make a ton of money doing this. I should get into this. I would be miserable, right? Like mm -hmm. I'm not going to just jump onto that, that niche. If I've got no desire to be there, I don't want to spend the time learning it. I'd rather put my energy into something I'm a little more interested in, or I already kind of have access to. And so I think that is part of the don't just jump. If you see somebody else being successful at something, maybe you can say like that. that I want to learn that. I want to learn about vintage audio or I want to learn about uh, cosmetics. Or you might say, man, use shoes. It seems like Pierce podcast does really well with use shoes. I just don't have the space. I don't want to do it. I'm doing fine with this other thing. And if I'm going to branch out, it's not going to be use shoes. And that's OK. Like you don't need to adapt to be somebody else because, yeah, you don't also know if that's giving them passion and you're miserable doing it, they're going to be more successful no matter what. Such a great point. I didn't even think about that because as a reseller to make it, you have, you don't have to hundred percent source everything you care about, but a lot of it has to be. Cause again, we, we talk about, I mean, I'm looking at some of the inventory that Mike has right here. <laughs> it's storage and Mike had a passion for some of it and the passion went away and now it's, Paperweight, right? Is that fair to say it's paperweight? Uh, shelf weight? It's shelf weight until I list it and then it's money. Okay. Well, but it's same thing right now on my table at home, on my shipping table, I have a whole Amazon shipment of used electronics that it's probably like one to 2K net. I just, I, I don't want to test any of it. No, nope. I don't. Right. And it's one of those things where now I didn't do this because I saw somebody else be successful with it. I was very successful doing this years ago on Amazon. I just, it stacked up and it was time for me to take care of things. But yes, hundred percent agree. Don't adapt unless it's something you're willing to do because yeah. you will be in a miserable spot. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. That's good. All right. Now, this is the easy one. These are all common sense. If what you're doing is working right now, just keep doing what you're doing. Don't change it unless you see things. Now, if you do it really well, you're going to see what changes are coming. Right? Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, it's, you know, like for instance, right now, Western stuff is doing really well for me. I don't know why I can, you know, I'll share that as one of my hustles of the week, but it's doing really well. And so I, I really, I don't know. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm very knowledgeable in the Western market, like with boots and cowboy hats, but I would say I have a pretty good knowledge. And 
based on how hot things are right now, I I have an understanding of how things should be the next few months. Now, if in two or three months, you know, I, like you talked about Lion King stuff, things just begin to sit, I'll have a pretty good idea. You know what? I probably don't need to source those items anymore, mm-hmm. right? That market is, is done for now. In order to survive in my reselling and make sure I make wise choices of my capital, I'm just not going to source that anymore. Yeah. Good stuff. Now, since we're talking about social, we're going to take this break right now just to talk yeah. to you a little bit about, hey, where else you can find us. If you're listening to the podcast and you haven't found us on Instagram, we are Puroso Podcast on Instagram. We're Puroso Cast on Twitter. You're, we're Puroso Podcast on Facebook. And by the way, our hustle of the week this week come from Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Yeah, we're all three. We're reaching the gambit there. We are. It's pretty awesome. And we, you know, unfortunately, we had some people email us, but, you know, we only have so much time on the podcast to share all these hustles a week. So thank you for all of you that have emailed us. We have not forgotten. We really appreciate it. You can email us at purosopodcast at gmail.com. You can give us a call at 619-738-1170. If you're listening to the podcast, we always appreciate you writing a review, sharing a review. It really helps us in the search. People have been really receptive to that. Yeah, no, super, super grateful. Like if, if there's one thing you can do for us more than anything else, it's leave a review on, on iTunes. A good, a good one. Yeah, I mean, well, if you're this far into the episode and you haven't shut us off yet because you think we're crazy, you know, hopefully it wouldn't be a terrible review. But <laughs> but yeah, leave us leave us a review on, on iTunes. Uh, it is, it's so helpful. I can't even, we couldn't say thank you enough. Um, that would be... It'd be great if you could do that. And uh, I don't know, maybe we'll have like another t-shirt giveaway or something coming up here soon. And we'll connect that to iTunes reviews just to, just to, you know, get that out there. Is that, can we do that? I don't know if we can do that. I don't see why not. We'll figure it out. All right. And so YouTube, if you're on the, if you're on the podcast, but you haven't seen us on YouTube and I'm not saying you probably want to, but we do drop some videos on there. Hey, Orlando's a good looking guy. Yeah. Well, it's for another day. Now, we do have some content we'll be delivering. Don't know when, but we, we have some things we've been talking about. So we're in the talking stages right now. Yeah. So so YouTube, subscribe, hit that like button. And last of all, if you ever want to say thank you in a monetary way. And before I, you know, I tell you, well, I'm just going to say we have a PayPal link on the bottom. I want to just share a great amount of gratitude. We've had some incredible donations lately. Yeah, it's been super nice. Um, You know, it it, it makes it, like we said a couple weeks ago, being able to get the equipment we need to do this, um, you know, pay for the space, you know, that we're at and being able to like transportation and all that stuff. It, it's super helpful. Um, we're all, all that we do is always going to be free. We, we, we say that every time we'll never charge for anything. Uh, but when people do say like, Hey, like you've helped me and you know, like we want to say thank you. I don't know. Like it's just, it's super humbling. And it kind of says like, we can keep doing this. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's, it, it makes it easier to keep doing what we're doing. And, you know, it just shows how amazing of a community we're a part of. So thank you guys so much. Yeah, I pre- And I want to appreciate everyone. So we have people paying us in Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> we have people from Australia. We have people from the UK. I mean, it's, it's incredible. And it's, it's very fascinating for me to hear that the content that we share is providing value in other parts of the world, right? Because reselling is reselling mm-hmm. when you get down to it. So anyways, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We will always be grateful and we always want to continue providing content for free. And so you're helping us down that road. Yep. So, All right. so before we get to our third and oh. final part of, of our 
um, the why to adapt, how to adapt part of our thing, we've got the wonderful Hustle of the Week yes. session. Some great, and we always have great Hustle of the Week, but this week, I, I some of these, you know, I like because they're kind of in, in my in my niche. They're good. So I feel like I need to start picking them out because you're picking the ones you like. And what if what if I want to pick the ones I like? Maybe well, we need to do a poll. Maybe we need to let our no. We've our had listeners. some magic cards and board yeah, games. True, we, they've been there. All we, right, we need to have we need to do it as a competition. Let the listeners uh, choose who the hustle of the weeks are. All right. So our first hustle of the week comes um, from Matt T. Peppy. He's on Facebook. So this is um, a Facebook submission. That's pretty sweet. We have like Instagram. We've got a presence. Facebook, we're not quite as active there. So I always feel bad like when people find us on Facebook. I think we need to apologize because Facebook is one of those where it's it's we're not always on it. Yeah. And so we'll get back to people like two weeks later on a comment. So please forgive us. Yeah. We're not trying to be you malicious. You should jump on our Instagram. Here. We're way better there. Like we're we're responsible Instagrammers. <laughs> There you go. Less responsible Facebookers. Whatever you want to say. All right. All right. So um, Matt was, he picked up a Pentax camera at a recycled center for $2. Uh, So it was at the bottom of the tub with a bunch of electronic junk. This is somebody who's willing to get in there and dig and find Mm -hmm. something, right? So he researched eBay comps and saw they sold for around 40 to 50 bucks. Not working. It's not bad, right? Like used cameras is one of those things like it's way hit or miss, right? Like you can find something that looks old and cool. And they sell for $5 and then you see something else and sells for 50, 100, a couple, you just never know, right? And look at the camera, look at the last part. So yeah, so he grabbed some batteries, tested it, it works, and he sold it for $65. That's pretty sweet, right? So from two bucks to $65, you're willing to dig in the bin. Um, and it was a 35 millimeter point and shoot camera, classic. But who uses, it back. Do, do people still use that? You're the, you're the video photography guy. Yeah, I mean, some people still use vintage cameras. I think what's more often used is the the lens, right? Okay. So um, that that could have been, I, I don't know which camera you got. Oftentimes, though, whatever lenses are attached to it, because uh, the camera that we're using no, right this now. This is a very basic camera. I looked it, it up online. It's just a very, like, it's something you would have had in high school or something. Huh. I mean, it's definitely the case. But a lot of these old, old school cameras, these Pentax, things like that, these vintage cameras, the lenses work beautifully for videography uh photographers don't really use them that much but the vintage lenses there's the push for like all the new vloggers and people doing stuff with like micro four thirds cameras um they can use old school vintage lenses Hmm. so this is one of those things of, of of knowing to adapt and this has kind of been a thing for several years now so this isn't like cutting edge news but if you haven't done vintage lenses and recently because there hasn't necessarily been money there learn a few of them right because there are certain ones that that vloggers and people doing video are looking for and they sell for a lot of money so you never know there you go that's a bolo oh all right next we got tom on instagram no not instagram on well instagram and twitter but i've got this through twitter and actually gary v liked his post so good for him nice so so on Twitter, Tom is DJTK20. On Instagram, he is El Flaco402. So I, I this I love this one. Like I'm I'm kind of bugged that I can't get these kind of scores lately because this is awesome. 
came across a lot of hats on Facebook Marketplace. We got to get on. I, I have not sourced on Facebook Marketplace Hey, Facebook yet. Marketplace is pretty amazing. Yeah, I know. I, I keep hearing that and I just, I got to get on there. So this was late at night. He was on a break at work. Gets on Facebook Marketplace. Saw that there was a lot of about 20 vintage Pepsi hats. Okay. Messages ends up being the first person to get there. Decides they're going to go get it. Drives 30 to 35 minutes. Shows up. It's actually 23 hats. Ends up paying $80 for all 23 hats. So about $3.47 on average per hat. List one on eBay sells the first one for $90 as a best offer. That's Money one. back. You got 22 more to go. All right. What? That's one hat. And and these hats are pretty awesome. So check out his Twitter. Check out the picture. They are legit. This is something I'm I'm very big about. Like everybody's about mug life and mug life. Uh-uh. Snapback life. I'm telling you. Snapback life, low cost, easy to ship, nice margins, right? If you find the right ones. It's kind of like mugs. You got to find the right ones. But here's a perfect example about snapback life bringing in that money. So Snapback. Snapback life. So through two on eBay, sold on the next day for 90 best offer and check comps and some of the hats. He actually has a vintage Mountain Dew hat in there. Oh, man. Cheers. Is he going to, are you going to buy it? Or no, is he just going to no, send it no. in to you? I still have my awesome Mountain Dew hat from that one of our That's listeners true. gave us. Remember That's that? True. So some are going for over $100. That is a hustle of the week. Thank you, Tom. Straight up. On Twitter, DJ. TK20 for sharing that with us. That's awesome. All right. Our next one uh, comes from, uh, is it Dilver? Is that the name? Dilver. Yeah. That, that's what it, that's what they All right. typed. So the handle is at hustle for profits with a Z on Instagram. Went to a yard sale and walked by a Brizzo kitchen faucet. Okay. Didn't think anything of it. Cause it's like, who wants to use faucet? Right. That's mm-hmm. kind of what they're thinking. Um, and started scanning books, looking at other stuff. And the lady asked what he was doing and, and he was kind of explaining. And so points out the faucet and says, you know, my husband paid a lot of money for that and goes back, looks at it and uh, said the husband paid a lot for it, never installed it, maybe worth money, buys it and sells it for $500 <laughs> plus shipping. Just mind blowing. It's super awesome. Like, honestly, I've I've gotten into recently, like, I don't even know what you'd call it. I don't want to say home improvement stuff, but I mentioned a while back specific items like that, faucets, light fixtures, things for commercial buildings, because when something like that breaks, people want to replace the exact, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you can find those stuff, um, I I was at a garage sale not too long ago and I found a bunch of commercial lighting. I was able to pick them up for cheap. A couple of them sold, a few of them are still sitting, but it's like people want the exact to match the ones on their building, right? So um, don't pass that stuff up. Don't, I mean, buy everything and the kitchen sink, right? <laughs> no pun intended. Well, that wasn't really a pun, but. Well, uh, whatever you call it. Anyways, <laughs> jokes. All right. But here's the thing. He was not scared to communicate that he was a reseller. That's something we talked about on our yeah. networking episode a few, a few podcasts ago. So he was scanning books. He wasn't hiding it. And in the end, Let's say he didn't. Let's say he was being all shady in the corner and then that lady approached like, him. What are you doing? Oh, just texting. Yeah, uh, and he my, just walked away. Yeah. He would have walked away for from a few hundred dollars. Yep. So good for you, Dilver. Thank you so much, Hustle, for profits on Instagram. Yep. 
So thank you all. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Dilver. Really appreciate it. Hey, that hashtag hustle the week on Twitter and on Instagram. It's Bolo Central. There's some other awesome hustle of the weeks on there. I wish we could have shared. There's some somebody sold a Cartier watch for more than they paid for a Gucci watch. Ooh. Somebody in there sold a pair of pants for over a hundred dollars that they paid two dollars for. I mean, there's a lot. So check it out. Heck yeah. Good so, stuff. All right. What do you got? Oh, we got our own hustle of the week. Yeah. I almost forgot. Okay. Yeah. What do you got? So I'm good. Yeah. I, I'm happy with mine. It's not a major one, but it's, it's kind of like you feel, Hey, and I just sold something right now. Awesome. Nice. Congratulations. It's a good hustle. <laughs> I get to Mike is tired or he's giving me the look like, thanks Orlando. Appreciate that. I just, I'm squinting I, on the YouTube right I, now I as just, I say that. I just, uh, I never see you so happy. Like almost like, like a little kid on Christmas when he makes a sale on his phone, he's like, he just gets so excited. It's, 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 it's a nice. good feeling. It's wonderful. <laughs> All right. So he's like, I just got to say, I went to, <laughs> I went to this garage show. It's, it's, it's on, I'll post it on Instagram. So I went to this garage. It was on an Instagram story three weeks ago. It was kind of an estate sale and it was outdoor. It's like this, they had this huge storage. It wasn't a unit, but it was on a property. And I got a lot of, this was at 10 a.m. Okay, 10 a.m. End of the day, I'm walking around. First thing I picked up is this mirror. I paid a dollar for it. It's a, one of those RCA mirrors with the, with the dog. Talking to the what do you call that device with the record? I can't believe I remember it, right? This styrof stylophone. <laughs> I can't I don't know. believe I'm terrible with this. Oh well. So, anyways, so had had it was just on it was all dusty, it was all dirty. Right? So I pick it up. So I pick it up and I'm like, huh, this is interesting. This looks like his money. So I look it up, and oh, it's it's actually Nipper the dog. It's it's a pretty iconic piece. Like I posted it on Instagram. And so, oh, a gramophone. 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 That's what it was. All right. So it's super dirty. It's dusty. And I'm like, this is probably worth something. I look up comps. Sure enough. That's one part. Walk around. They had four vintage Stetson hats. Okay. Sitting. Uh, but it was on, and they were dusty and they're grimy. Uh, two of them had, one of them had holes all over the place. Another one had a hole right on the top of the hat. Another one was a straw hat that was just dirty beyond belief. And another one was... So they didn't have mothballs in their uh, storage? I, I, I don't know what it was, but I saw them all. And so I said, uh, you know, because I've sold these hats in the past. Again, I, I understand Western more now than I have ever before. Said, so what would you do on all these? And they said, oh, we got to... I think... <laughs> I should have just done the story, so I hope I don't get this wrong. I think initially they quoted me like 30 or something. And I, you know, I went with my negotiation tactic, which I never advise anybody to do. I go, these look kind of messed up and I'm taking a risk. I don't use that tactic. Don't. But it wasn't their property. So I felt it was safe. They were just selling for somebody else. So I said, can we just do 20 for all of it? And they're like, okay. So I grabbed all four. Actually, one of them was Resistol. Three of them were Stetson. And then I said, hey, can we throw this mirror in for free? They said, sure. Nice. Okay. All right, that was two weeks ago. I listed all those items this last week. I think it was right after eBay opened sometime around there. All of them have sold already. Nice. Okay. The mirror that I paid a dollar for sold for 40 plus shipping. Yeah. Okay. One set in hat. It was holy, like holes 
all over the place. It was a holy hat. Holy hat. The resi- it was a resist all. That one sold for $15 plus shipping. Hey, listen, here's the thing. I was going to throw away three of those hats. I was going to list them the other night and I go, who's going to buy like this is junk. And I literally grabbed the hat and went to the trash can and started putting it in there. I'm like, you know what? Let's see what happens. Took it, took it out, decided not to. That hat, $15. The other Stetson hat with holes. Okay, hole on the top, pretty obvious hole, $40 plus shipping. The other Stetson hat, the straw hat, super dirty, stains all over it. $31.11 with shipping. No, plus shipping. Then the clean Stetson hat, $85 with $50 shipping. Hey, that's not bad. That's not bad at all. I mean, I'm like... I'm happy for you. <laughs> the reason I, my, my mind is blown. It was 10 a.m. It all looked like junk. But in the end, I, I don't know what the math is, but I made... You definitely over, came out ahead. Yeah, over $150 net. Yeah. I mean, that was pretty nice. Yeah, so, that's good. Especially for junk, right? Like, Yeah. But it wasn't junk. I mean, the message that I was getting was like, this is a great hat. Thank you so much for accepting my offer. I'm like, what? I almost threw this stuff away. So that is my hustle of the week. Nice. That's good stuff. How about uh, you? I'm going a different route. Okay. Um, I got hustled this week. Ooh. Somebody had their hustle of the week on you. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. So do we uh, want to share this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I think so. In fact, I, I think it wouldn't be a terrible idea to have an occasional section which is like I'll hustle out hustle of the week. Yeah. Fails or whatever, you know. Here's mine. And it's not terrible. It's not the end of the world. But I found out about it right before we started recording this podcast. Oh. So that's what got me. So I was at a garage sale the other day and I picked up a PlayStation 2. Okay. Slim console, right? With controller inside. And I'm like, all the, the cords. And for a pretty good price. It was like it had some games that came with it, like not a bunch, some older games and some other stuff. And I bundled it with some other things. So I think the actual price I ended up paying for this was like 25 bucks. And I was looking at comps for like the slim model with the all the pieces and stuff. I could, I could probably get like $75, $80, something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's not bad. Like, you know, and if it doesn't work, it's not the end of the world. And then I was going to open it up because I wanted to look at exactly what all was in it because uh, I was thinking about maybe keeping it because of starting like a game club at my school. And I'm mm. like, oh, these kids might want to play like PlayStation, you know. I open it up. And I, I see the cords, and that's mostly what I see. And I see a controller on the side, and I start pulling all the stuff out. It's a PlayStation 1 in nice. a PS2 Slim box. Nice. There's still value, maybe. They, they're selling for like 15 to 20 bucks. It's the worst. I could, I could maybe stop loss on that. Probably not even worth the shipping. But it's like, it's just a bummer because you almost feel like played like when I, when it's in, it's in a box that they've got like, you got emotional, you got excited and you know, and it wasn't like, I'm glad it wasn't like a huge find. It wasn't like something that was going to like be hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Cause that's happened to me at thrift stores before where it's like, I look at something it's like, I'm going to make a hundred bucks on this. And then you look around it's like, Oh, it's broken. You know, like Mm -hmm. that sucks. But this was like, it wasn't a huge thing, but at the same time it was kind of like this person knew that it wasn't a PS2 yeah. in this box that clearly is a PS2 box. And the way it was bundled, like it was taped. I kind of had to like open it and look on the inside and I could see all the cords and everything was in there. Nice. And I'm like, it's all taken care of. Like anybody who's keeping the box for stuff typically and putting stuff back. I would have done the same. 
So I'm not going to like pull it all out and inspect it because I'm trying to move quick. But I'm just thinking like, man, when I had my garage sale and people were wanting to buy stuff, if there was anything wrong with things, I would like, hey, this mm-hmm. has a hole in this. or this, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like, so I just kind of felt like I got hustled. It's okay. It's happened. We've shared that before. Yeah. Remember that fake Nikes I bought? Yeah. And they they had a conversation with me. They're like, hey, I'm a teacher like you. And I got played. Yep. So I totally hear you. So my hustled of the week. Out hustled of the week. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Hey, thank you all for sharing. Hopefully, you know, hey, Stetson hats, they're out there. They're worth money, even with holes in them. Yeah. There you go. All right. Get, holy hats. Holy hats. All right. Let's get back to our theme here. So what should you adapt? Right. Because that, that's the hardest part. Like we talked about why you should adapt, why you shouldn't adapt. But what do you adapt? Right. As things are changing in order to keep being a reseller. Okay. So I think your niche is one of them. Right. I, I think we've talked about this, but not only that, but I think you need to source outside of your niche. That's just my opinion. Because stuff that used to be my niche, like Hawaiian shirts and Harley, I talk about that all the time. And I remember Z-Coil shoes. Do you know what Z-Coil shoes are? Mm-mm. So there's these shoes that were supposed to like help your back. They had like a spring. Oh, yeah. Z-Coil. Yeah. yeah. Those I used to. That was like I knew all the brand. I knew all the models. I knew how much they went for. I never had to research them. Boom, boom, boom. One week I make $100 profit. Now? Not so much. Not so much. Video games. N64 Nintendo. When's the last time you saw any vintage Nintendo stuff while you're sourcing garage sales or thrift store? Yeah, it's been a long time. Like, that's the thing, too, is what's hot now, the more vintage it gets, the harder it is to come by. So you can't rely on it as bread and butter when it becomes the the jewel, you know, like the diamond in the rough. Yeah, I mean, that can certainly happen where the thing that's common now, as it gets more and more vintage, it's less and less common, right? But so. we're only talking a year removed. Yeah. Like I could say maybe two years ago, every time I went garage sales, I picked up video games pretty much every single time. Now, I can't think of the last time. I mean, it's been a while. It's crazy. Yeah, and I would say, I would say, um, we already talked about at the beginning of this episode, but the Craigslist Hunter advice is brilliant in that every... I think the way he specifically said it, and I could be wrong, but it was something like every two months to to have a new. So like okay. in a year, you have like six new ones. Maybe it was every month, but I think two months is probably pretty good. So you're not overwhelming yourself, but you're saying for the next two months, I'm going to learn about whatever, a certain type of, of electronic or a certain type of book. So or let's certain- talk about that. How do you do that? Like, t- tell me, because you, you went through this initially when you were reselling. So how did you learn, let's say, Let's say you're a clothing seller, but you don't do shoes or you're a hard goods seller and you don't do shoes. How'd you figure out what shoes to pick up? Okay. So part of it was I would watch YouTube videos, right? Like what shoes sell on YouTube, Mm -hmm. which can help to an extent. Um, Then then it was spending time actually researching on eBay, right? So I'd go on eBay and I'd look up, you know, recent sales and and kind of filter. And then I'd filter into a price range because if you just put the highest, right? Like you're going to get shoes that are selling for... $10,000 $10,000 for you shoes. Yeah. You're like, okay, so this is not realistic. I want to see shoes in like the $50 to $100 range, right? So I filtered just those. And then I start writing down brands and styles, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm learning that way. And I think that's one way of doing it. The other way that I think, which might actually be better, and I, I know this from experience, I've been into so many hobbies. I can't even tell you, I couldn't even start to list them, right? Like I used to fly kites and then I 
I love playing disc golf and I've got <laughs> board games and video equipment and I've tried different instruments before and like different random types of gardening and like any type of hobby you can think of snakes, right? Like for a while I was like really getting into a snake handler. Yeah, well, not, I mean, but I wanted to like breed different types of snakes because there's like, oh, these types are really rare and like they're, okay. they're worth money. It's so, like all of these things that I, I would get into a hobby and then I would just like consume. And my hobby, my wife would say, was learning about other people's hobbies. Right. Mm. Like, cause I would never really get into like a hobby enough where like that became my thing. But I would do so much study about something that like I knew almost everything, all the basics of the thing. Right. Like, I could talk to somebody who was into, breeding snakes or different snakes and I could talk about different morphs and different and I didn't even own a snake at the time right but like I really got into it so I think the same can be said for your niche right is think of something that's interesting to you right think of uh, a type of maybe it's drones right like maybe it's camera equipment maybe it's and really just start to learn about it because you'll learn quickly on reddit or on blogs like what are the brands people are looking for mm -hmm. what's the make like People like if it's carbon and then carbon fiber and not if it's aluminum, right? And as you learn those things, then when you're out and about and you see something, it's like, oh, this is carbon fiber. This is probably worth more money because and you've already kind of learned about it. So be, start loving the process of learning, right? Like mm -hmm. just even if even if you can't do it as a hobby, learn about other people's hobbies because people spend money on their hobbies. Right. People love to spend money on their hobbies. That's something that they always will do. And so if you learn about other people's hobbies, remote control cars, Legos, whatever it is, learn about people's hobbies. Learn as much as you can about one or two. I want to learn as much as I can about Hot Wheels. Spend a couple of weeks learning about them and, and, and that'll branch off into different types of of cars and different types of toys. And who knows, by the end of the couple of months, now you're a semi expert at those types of toys. You're at garage sales. You see them your ability to pick up items is just increased exponentially. Agreed. And one of the things to add on to that that's helped me in adapting when I need to adapt is I'll pick up an item that I haven't, you know, something I haven't sold before, like a brand new item, right? Not brand new, but brand new as far as in my, I guess, lexicon or inventory of items I've never picked up. So, you know, I'll take a look at something and go, huh, I've never picked this up before. I want to learn more about it. So, what I what I'll do is I'll pick it up, I'll see that there's profit, and then, you know, if it sells, I'm like, huh, interesting. So then I'll research that brand name or that style, and then I'll start looking at the highest comps, like you did, right? And sometimes it shoots pretty high, and then you put used, you filter out to use, and then I will go to Terapeak and I'll say, okay, what is the sell through rate on this stuff? Is this stuff worth it? So, so for example, GoPro. Okay, so GoPro accessories is something that I picked up a year ago. I knew nothing about GoPro. I never owned a GoPro, but this guy had a huge lot of GoPro accessories. And I researched one or two and I go, I can make profit. So I bought the whole the whole crate and he had, I don't know, like 50 pieces and I paid $80 for it. And then I started researching and I go, huh, I wonder you know, what else I should be looking for. And so what I ended up doing is I sold them all out. I made over a thousand dollars over the year, but now I know about Go. I don't know about GoPro cameras, but I know about GoPro accessories, mm. right? And which ones, cause there's some, if you buy, you know, a battery wall charger or something like that, it's not worth that money. But if you buy like an LCD backpack for, you know, a hero four or whatever, 
it's worth money. Yeah. Right. And I, I sound like I know what I'm talking about, but it's only because I did the research and I know what sells. I don't, I have no idea what the function is. Yeah. I just know what to look for. So that's one way to adapt and figure things out. Yeah. And you can be led down some pretty weird rabbit trails, right? Like as you start researching one thing and then it leads you into researching a couple of different things and, you know, expand that knowledge base and you'll be surprised how much, how much you can remember. Now you might not remember all the minute details of every single thing, but, but your brain has the capacity to hold a lot of information and enough that like, at least, even if you forget all of the specifics, you're, you'll, you'll trigger on certain things. Like I, I don't remember specific brand or that, but I remember this material. I remember like mm -hmm. you'll remember certain things, even if you studied it years and years ago and you haven't really ran into any. So it's never wasted time. I mean, you almost got to think about it as, as investment because that's one of the things is resellers. Like you can only do so much. And I know there's, there's times where you've got inventory reserves, you got death piles, right. That are just building up and there's more you could do. But like, I used to think like diet and exercise is a good example, right? Like you can diet and not, not eat too many calories in a day and you could do a certain amount of exercise, but there comes a point where it's like, you can only do so much in a day. You can't do any more, right? Like if you do more, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to like, you got to wait. You got to be patient over the course of months for, for it to, to work. And you, you're at a point where you're just like, well, what do I do? I guess I could research more about diet and exercise, but how, how is that really going to help me? Right. Whereas with reselling, you can get to a place where it's like, all right, I'm sitting here and I've got nothing to do. I'm just starting out or I, I don't know enough to source and spend my entire time sourcing. Spend an hour learning mm -hmm. that will pay off. Like, every hour that you spend learning about it, it does pay off. It, this is like one of the fields where there's never a time where you shouldn't have something to do for reselling, right? If you, if you can't be outsourcing, so if yeah. you can't be outsourcing, which you can't always, right? Like maybe you're like garage sale only. Like, you know what? I'm, I'm only doing garage sales. Like I'm part-time. I'm only going to do garage sales. Sweet. There's going to be time when you're, you know, waiting in line somewhere, do research on items. Right. If you've already listed everything, if you there's always something to research and learn about. And if you make it something you're interested in, it it it'll just make it that much better. Agreed. Now the other part is how you sell. I think this is gonna be the hardest one to talk about. It, it's you know, you gotta go with the flow. I I you're in people's sandboxes. So for instance, Amazon. What Amazon did is I couldn't sell certain items unless I did their pesticide training. Pesticide training, okay? Just because I had a couple of shirts that had odor-free whatever technology or some shoes that had a special coating, I had to adapt and I had to do the training. And a lot of people didn't. And I see them now, like, they're gated and they can't sell in that. So you have to be willing to jump through those hoops. You know, the way you're pricing. I talked about this earlier. You're going to have to adapt your pricing. If, if a certain item was selling at a certain rate one or two years ago and it's not anymore, you have to, as much as I hate saying that you have to adjust your pricing. Shipping. This was one that hit people really hard was when you, when USPS went to the, uh, I what you call it, but it was a dimensional shipping. Like you had to decide, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to go to flat rate? And I'm, am I going to pack things differently? Am I going to, you know, find another way to ship things out? That is huge. Like you have to adapt again. This is all a competitive field, right? So if somebody has a better way of doing things, they will consistently win, right? So you have to adapt. 
And the other one is, and there's a couple more, but on eBay, you know, if they're pushing promoted listings, I know this is something the Craigslist was a hundred was opposed to this. And I, I get where he's coming from. Like if you have items that people want, it doesn't matter if you promote listing, people are going to buy it. But a lot of us out there, we are in saturated field. I'm in clothing. I, I would say 70% of what I sell is clothing in order for me to adapt and continue making those sales. I have to promote my listings, right? Just as much as you on Poshmark have to share, mm-hmm. right? If we don't do those things, we're not going to adapt and we're not going to sell. So you got to work within the confines that's given to you. You can't keep doing the same old, same old. If you see sales happening, keep doing it. But if it's died, you got to think because the last one we're going to talk about is mindset. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause we're finishing up or yeah, because of mindset. Both. <laughs> I think, I think we can, I think we kind of almost have to be light on mindset because we could do a whole podcast on just mindset. We could. And, and maybe we will with one of our book reviews. Maybe we do a uh, growth mindset. You okay. Know, who knows? We'll see. But, but yeah, it, mindset is huge. I think above anything that we've talked about, this is why we saved it for last is that, mindset will make or break you being a reseller and continuing to be a reseller. Yeah. And and just to be upfront with this, like I am extremely opposed and frustrated by people who are like, I I guess the best way of saying is like ignorantly optimistic about things like where they just have this, like it's going to be great and they're making foolish decisions and they're hurting themselves, but Mm -hmm. they like are just, they think because they have a positive attitude that it's going to work out. There's a difference between having a adaptable mindset or a growth mindset and just being just being optimistic about the wrong things, mm-hmm. right? And it's not just an emotional thing. It's 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 a belief system that hey, I'm going to fail and make mistakes, but that doesn't mean I'm a failure. It means that I've learned something and what's most important is am I going to get back up? And am I going to learn from this? And am I going to move forward? And do I see myself as being willing to to work hard and learn and make mistakes and try harder and put in more research and recognize that it's not always going to be easy? Mm-hmm. And the other part of it, and I'm going to be super real here. If your business fails, it's on you. That's yeah. it. The market has no emotions, has no feelings. It can change. Recession can hit. Culture changes. What's hot changes. What's, you know, profitable changes. All that. And if you don't adapt, and I'm speaking to myself, if I don't adapt, I fail. It's my fault. I can get mad at the Amazon algorithm. I can get upset at eBay changes. I can, you know, what I can blame. I can, it's easy to blame, right? Because it takes responsibility off of you and and, you know, maybe you sleep better knowing that, hey, I did what I could. It wasn't my fault. It fell apart. But I definitely believe the mindset that will continue helping you as a reseller, whether you're part time or full time. And I'm speaking to myself and I'm speaking to Mike, is that it's your responsibility to do all of this, to figure this out, because ultimately it's your business. And if you want it to be successful, you have to adapt. Yeah. And and the way that culture is shifting or the way that technology is changing, you might not like it, 
but your emotions, I think you're, it's great that you brought up the idea that the market doesn't have emotions because it also doesn't care about your emotions, no, right? Like I doesn't. know, I know a lot of people who've got maybe even, maybe even they're right on some things, right? Like, cause social media has done many great things for our society and it's done a lot of terrible things, right? Even at like the personal level, right? Like, like it, it makes people like less, less able to focus and it makes people, you know, more like their attention is divided and there's more emotional issues. And there's a lot of things that can come from that. And I know a lot of people who kind of like, they just wall up and say like technology, it's, it's, it's destroying culture. I refuse to like embrace it. And you can feel that way, but you're going to get passed up. Right. And I think you can, there's a way of saying, I might not like what this is doing. For instance, students that don't want to read anymore. Right. They just want to, you know, watch videos a huge shift and I might not be happy about it, but at the same time, I have to be real about it. Right. And I have to say, all right, so culture has changed. How do I adapt to, to, to meet the new changing needs? Right. I might not think this is the best direction that it's going, but I, like a little stone in like a, a roaring river, I'm not going to make a difference. Right. Like I'm not going to be able to stop the flow. So you either get passed by and you fail your business collapses around you and you say like well you know i don't know what happened or you say you know what this is weird i'm a mom and pop shop and kind of brick and mortar i guess i'm gonna have to jump on social media right like i might not like it i like talking to people face to face but when the world is changing around you you have to kind of say either i'm gonna change with <clears> it and be <throat> successful or i'm not gonna change and recognize this is the hill i'm dying on and the business dies agreed Agreed. So let's flip the script. If ultimately responsibility is on me to make my business successful, to make it adapt, then I have the option to make it happen. The power is in your hand. Too. The power is in your hands. It's, it's not to the market. It's not to the buyer. It's not to, you know, whatever other outside force. You have the power to make this happen. You have the ability there's so much content and information out there. Some of it not great, but a lot of it is that you can make those decisions to adapt and make your business successful. So with that being said, make sure to be real, be relevant, and be reselling. Peace. Peace.